Welcome to episode 19 of the Hot Esquina podcast, the Aaron Boone episode. Yo soy Enrique. And I'm Sean. Today, we're going to recap the Minnesota series. We're going to get into the Yankees pitching woes in the series, as well as their offensive prowess. We're also going to talk to Mitch from Dingers, a Chicago Cubs podcast, to preview the Chicago Cubs series coming up this weekend. And we'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So before we get started, let me welcome back, as you all heard in the intro, my co-host, who's back from his wedding officially. Sean, welcome back, brother. Yes, thank you for having me. Obviously, um, good to be back. It's uh feels different being a married man. <laughs> but uh here I am. Uh, I'm glad to be back. It's been it's been a while. I can't wait to talk some baseball and uh recap recap this twin series. Yeah, man. Hey, as long as being a married man doesn't change the baseball fan that you are, then we're more than happy to have you back, brother. You know what I'm saying? Um, thankfully, thankfully, the Yankees held their end of the bargain like we talked about in the last podcast, and they did not let you down. They tapped that booty while you were getting married, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they beat up on the Angels. They beat up on the Tigers. They they upheld their end of the bargain and did not give you anything to be upset about during your wedding. So that's good. Um, we don't obviously need to get into those two series because they're said and done. They happened. Um, let's get into the most recent series, which is the Minnesota one. Um, the Yankees won 10 to 4 Tuesday. The Yanks then lost 8-1 to one on Wednesday, where, again, the pitching woes came into effect with Nasty Nestor, El Orgullo de Hialeah, no lanzando como El Orgullo de Hialeah. He only went 4.1 innings pitched, also allowed four earned runs, just like Tyone, had three Ks, no walks, and allowed two homers. Unlike Monday, the Yankees didn't have any offensive firepower to help them out in this one, where the only run the Yankees had in this one was a sack fly from DJ LeMahieu, and that was about it, Sean. It was difficult to watch. Thankfully, though, we then had a more exciting game to watch last night, which we'll get into in a little bit. The Yankees won 10-7 last night, in a game where our ace Garrett Cole went 2.1 innings pitched and allowed seven earned runs, bro, on three Ks, two walks. Seven of those runs were permitted by five home runs that he allowed. The man allowed five homers in the game. I don't remember the last time he did that, but I'm pretty Never sure. Has. There you go. Never has. So definitely a weird outing from Cole. The Yanks were down seven to three in the third, but then scored seven unanswered runs from the fifth to the eighth. Clay Holmes closed it out in the ninth. Seven of those unearned um, 
Seven of those unanswered runs came in the form of Gallo and Hicks, both homering. How about that? Uh, if you saw that coming, brother, play the lotto because I did it. <laughs> especially, especially Gallo, who had two home runs, bro. So it was a weird game to say the least, but it was fun to watch. What did you think of this Minnesota series, Sean? Oh, I've been I've been itching at, to talk about this because I haven't talked baseball in a good week, so maybe I have more of a of a drive. But uh, yeah, it's it was um, pitching woes definitely from the starting pitching Tyone. You know, he he held his own, but only could get four innings. They really pushed him to his limit. You know, he was averaging over 20 pitches an inning, so he couldn't stay that long. Uh, Wiki, Wiki coming in uh, in the first game and in the third game really helped us because he Huge. shut the door down uh, on both end, on both games to uh, give the Yankees a chance and change the narrative. So a big, big props to Lucas Lickie this series because he, he came in after not pitching since – since like May 27th or May 28th and came in and, and proved that uh, he's still a, a, a important role on this, in this bullpen. So I give him credits for that um, for game two, obviously terrible game all around. We just didn't have it. Wasn't our night. Nestor struggled. He got through the first time in the lineup pretty well. Uh, once that second time around, he really started to struggle and you could see he was laboring a lot, just trying to get outs I was surprised he even came out for the set for the, the his last inning because of how much he was laboring just trying to get those last couple outs. And then you as you saw as he came in the last thing, he got he got torn up a little bit. Um but you know, that was just a bad game. Obviously, you said DJ was the only offense that night. So just kind of like a quick bad game, move on, hopefully rebound tomorrow. And then, you know, you start off yesterday's game with uh with Cole coming in, giving up three homers on the first three hitters back to back to back to start off a game. Uh, the most he's ever given up in, in a game was three home runs before this outing. He ends up giving up five, which was unbelievable. Um, giving up the three solo home runs. You could see clearly he didn't have anything. He, he couldn't get anything going. His velocity was down. I hope that's not a, an issue in the future. So, you know, we'll see what's going on there. Uh, obviously ends up giving another three run home run to Buxton, giving Buxton two home runs in the night. And then basically I thought he was going to get pulled then, but then he stayed in and then giving up the home run to, to Trevor Larnock, the, another solo. Thank God that four of the five home runs were solos to keep us, you know, relatively in the game. Uh, but I'm the main reason I wanted to talk about, uh, this twin series was because of the moon man. I'm calling him the moon man because, Everyone on Yankees Twitter wants to send him to the to the moon, but overall, uh, great win, great win to come back from seven three and seemed like it was over, and to really feel like the momentum was was changing again. Thank you to Lucas Lickie and keeping keeping the game close. Thank you to this bullpen, bro. Let's be real; like this entire series, we owe a big gratitude to this Yankees bullpen for coming in clutch in all three games, to be honest, because even in in the game on Wednesday where Nestor didn't have it, the bullpen still came in and gave us a chance until we just didn't have a chance anymore, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? Um, bullpen did their job, man. They really did. I, I give much props to the to the entire bullpen this series. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking at the game on Wednesday. The only blemish we had 
was Schmidt not having it, giving up four runs, but then Banuelos came in for two innings, not allowing a run. Yesterday, the, the entire bullpen, not one pitcher in that bullpen gave up one single earned run after Cole's debacle. You know what I'm saying? That speaks a lot, bro. For your starting pitcher, especially your ace, to go two and a third, to essentially be taken out in the top of the third inning with one out, and for your bullpen to go the rest of the way, not allowing an earned run, they're the reason we were able to come back yesterday. Let's be real. And then on Tuesday, same thing. You know, Tyone didn't have his best stunt, you know, obviously. But then, you know, Licky comes in, doesn't allow an earned run. Peralta doesn't allow an earned run. Marinaccio goes two innings, not allowing an earned run. The bullpen deserves a lot of credit for this series. Last night, you know, you have Garrett Cole just arguably his worst performance in the regular season as a Yankee, you know, giving up the five home runs, seven earned in, in two and a third, not what you want to see from him. And then you see Lucas Lickie come in and, you know, sometimes when, when you see Lucas Lickie come in a game like that, you think like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe the Yankees are trying to punt this one, or maybe they're just trying to, you know, get him in some, for some innings, but no, he came in and probably his longest outing of, of, of the season going two and a third, the same amount that Cole did, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not accustomed to seeing Wiki go seven outs. So him coming in and, and absolutely shutting the door down to giving the Yankees a chance to, to battle back in this game was incredible. Changed the whole narrative. And then obviously you had Miguel Castro Peralta and King come in with three solid innings of their own. And then obviously getting, we all know Clay Holmes, this dude has a 0.33 ERA when he comes in, that's like the most confidence you can have in any ball game in the ninth inning. I think if he's not an all-star, then we got to, we got to change the all-star voting system because it, it, this dude is absolutely lights out. But besides that, the incredible performance from the bullpen, I, I give them nothing but props from this series. It was impressive. It was really impressive to watch. Um, what did you think of Gallo and, and Hicks, man? That was, that was oh. hella impressive, right? Been waiting for this one. So I, I have been very excited since um, I would have to say, well before I got married. So I remember sending you this recording off air because I was in the middle of getting married and have much time to look. But I sent you a recording saying, you know, watch out for Gallo now because I think what they should do is move him to right field because that's his main position. That's the position that he's been, you know, growing at a high level at in, in Texas. And he might have a similar situation to Gleyber Torres where he just doesn't excel hitting if he's playing a position he's not comfortable with. And some people say, like, how does that make sense? You know, it doesn't make any sense. How is this field and connecting to his hitting? But it's all a mental game. If you're mentally yeah. not at 100%, you're not going to perform well hitting 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. It doesn't matter. You have to be dialed in. And, uh, you know, I'm not a professional athlete in any sort of capacity, but I, I, I can understand where the mental game comes in because, you know, 90% of, of, of any sport you play is mental. You have to be – you know, mentally prepared for every single moment in, in, you know, professional sports. But, you know, I knew that switching Gallo to right, or at least testing this would, would change things because not only for him, but it would also help Hicks. And I, I'm going to get to that in a second. So I, I sent you that, that voice recording saying, watch out, you know, watch out for, for Gallo moving to right. I think it's going to change. You know, his approach, he's going to start feeling better about himself. 
And I'm not trying to say anything or pat myself on the back a bit, but I got to say it's been working since he's since he's uh, moved to right field, which is his main position. You know, the Yankees are nine and two in his 11 games that he's been doing it. He's gotten three home runs, six RBIs, and he's hitting 250 with a 302 on base percentage. It's not the greatest, but 250 batting average I'll take from Gallo any day of the week. Like that, that's that's perfect with an eight, with an 800 OPS. That's those are nice numbers from Gallo. I'll take that. Also with Gallo moving to right, it also has a domino effect for for Hicks because now Hicks. As we as we've seen over the last couple of years, his arm is not the same. Uh, he still can make great plays from center field, but I also think um, with how strong Judge has been this year, that he can both he can play both center and right. And so moving Judge to center for short term isn't the worst case, the worst thing in the world. And it also helps Hicks because moving Hicks to left back to where he started when he first went to Minnesota before they moved him to center. He starts to, he's looking more comfortable now being uh, more of a left fielder and keeping Stan as a DH and kind of, you, you can rotate it again. You can now rotate the outfield as much as you can rotate the infield. So ever since he started playing left field more uh, as an everyday, he's hitting 320. And after the Yankees, you know, he was, he was battling the Mendoza line playing center field, but ever since he's, he's been playing uh, left, Sitting 320 with a 414 on base percentage and a 794 OPS. So, oh, so far, I think they found the the formula that, that's worked really well. You've seen Hicks has gotten better now that he's playing left. Judge hasn't taken any step backwards since playing center. And Gallo is finally hitting 250, which I'll take that any day of the week. And Stan has been, you know, just coming back from the IEL. It's good to have him as a DH and you can, you know, rotate. You know, Donaldson with his shoulder playing, you know, sitting out playing DH, moving DJ and Glaber positions. You know, it, it's, I think we found the formula now for the rest of the season. So I'm really excited by that. It, they've, everyone's been clicking on all cylinders. I completely agree with you. I, I like what, what we're doing so far. Um, speaking of Judge, man, I wanted to give a quick shout out to him and to another player that usually bats at the top of the lineup one thing we didn't mention about this series Sean is you know you saw DJ LeMayhew for example get another milestone in his already impressive career hitting home run number 100 props to DJ LeMayhew we congratulate him here on the hottest Kina podcast um hopefully it's you know the the plateau to the next milestone which will hopefully be 200 and so on and so forth. You know, DJ's still young, so much props to him. Uh, Judge hit his 22nd home run on the season. You know, he's hitting 310 right now with a with a 1.054 OPS. Like, if he's not MVP, bro, I think I think everybody will, should riot. Like, I'm giving Yankees Twitter and Yankees fans the okay to riot if. Yankees bias comes into effect again and this man is not named the MVP if he finishes his season the way he's starting it because bro he's five RBIs away from being halfway to the century mark as far as RBIs 22 homers I mean that's you do the math he's on pace for 60 plus homers a 1.054 OPS you know he (laughs) For for 
bleeps and giggles, he's added three stolen bases to that. Like if he needs any more stats to add on to his really impressive resume this year. I mean, my God, bro. It's, you know, I just wanted to give a shout out to those two guys before we move on to the next subject. Like, goodness, bro, what, what an offensive outburst we're seeing from this team this year. Yeah. Um, if you want to even backpack off that uh, quickly, I would give props to Jose Trevino, who has now like accepted that starting role and who is hitting 283, you know, and I, I don't know about any other Yankee fan here, but I think any Yankee fan can agree with me that we would take a 283 batting average from the catcher's position any day of the week coming from what we've had for the last six, seven years. Um, and even the struggles with, with Higashioka so far this year, I think Trevino has come in and not even, not only has he been uh, at a high level, but he's become a fan favorite and has taken over the starting role in less than a third of the season. And it has proved that, He's become an incredible defender. His frame rate is incredible. He he's been hitting the you know hitting the cover off the ball the last couple of days. His three thirty three on base percentage is is unbelievable, and uh, I'm really excited for him. I, I don't look at the bottom of the lineup anymore as we were talking about earlier in the year as as automatic outs. You know he has come in and and shown that he is a starter. And the biggest question coming into this season was what Garrett Cole was, is always going to be Higashioka as the, as his own personal catcher. Trevino has now caught more than Higashioka has for Cole and has shown that it's not just about Higashioka always having to be with Cole, that Trevino can handle any pitcher. doesn't matter who it is and has, has excelled at such an incredible level. So he's, he has been nothing short of, of expectation and he's blown away expectations and he's even he's even been mentioned in all star uh, conversations if he should be in it. So I guess, you know, we'll see and find out. But definitely him. Rizzo, obviously, Glaber having more home runs than he did all of last year. The team is just clicking on all cylinders. I voted for him. I'll be honest with you. I voted for Trevino for for <laughs> for all star catcher for the American League. I don't know about you, but I feel he deserves it. And I'm not just saying that as a Yankee homer like he's he's been great, bro. He's been really good. His numbers are solid. And like you said, what he's done with this pitching staff defensively behind the plate is, is outstanding. Yes. And you know what, not to put anyone down, but I love the fact that we have Jose Trevino because I think we saw clearly from this series with Gary Sanchez behind the plate that the pass balls did not escape him because he had plenty this, this series and it has definitely helped us out, as we saw just from last game especially. But overall, in the first and the third game, the game, the two games that he played, pass balls were definitely an issue with him and, and uh, definitely exposed where we don't see that with Trevino, if at all. I have to make sure that my son doesn't hear this, this particular episode with what I'm about to say. But I completely agree with you. I don't know if you saw, but I even put out a tweet last night where I literally said something to that effect where I was like, bro, my son would be so mad at me if he saw me writing this because it's his former favorite Yankee. But bro, it's so nice that for a change, his past balls don't cause us stress. On the contrary, they caused us happiness. We were happy to see those past balls for a change. We're like, yeah. (laughs) So when was the last time we we were able to say that about a Gary Sanchez pass ball? So it's it 
it's a very nice and welcome change. That's for sure. Not yes. on both sides of the equation, not just having the pass balls not be an issue anymore and work in our favor for a change when we play against Gary Sanchez, but also like what you said, having a very reliable catcher back there, a reliable catcher that not only works the pitching staff the right way, you know, calls a good game where, you know, like you said, Garrett Cole doesn't seem to mind pitching to him. None of the pitchers seem to mind pitching to him. And, you know, he doesn't let many get by him, you know? So I've, I've been very pleasantly surprised and impressed with Jose. I'm very happy. He's a Yankee. Yeah. It's, it's just the underlying effect of, of, it's like unspoken sort of when you go into last year and this year where you see how every pitcher has to change the way they pitch. Because when you're pitching to Gary Sanchez, you, you, you lose confidence, not in yourself, but that the catcher can, can get the ball, you know, the ones that are hitting the dirt, the ones that are like, especially I, I did a whole video on this is that Sanchez's biggest struggle was seeing the change up. And I, I don't know why or whatever that is, but you know, he struggled a lot with seeing a lot, any pitches. There was a lot of pass balls for, he had, he has the most since 2017. And I, obviously we saw from last night that that continued, but you know, for once we can add on to every other team that has enjoyed seeing a pass ball from Gary Sanchez that has worked to our benefit. Cause for the last six years, that has not been the case. And we saw a lot of, of losses, key losses come from, from mistakes like that. So it's good to see that the pitching can now feel comfortable enough to pitch a Trevino and Higashioka at their level. And that's why we're seeing such great numbers from all our pitchers is because they can throw the stuff they feel confident in knowing that the catcher is going to make the catch. And that's, you know, hence the name. Do you think, and you know, this isn't a knock on Gary, but I'm legitimately curious. I'm not even being facetious here. I'm just legitimately curious about this. Do you think his struggles behind the plate have anything to do with his big frame? I don't know. I don't think that has really much to do with it. It, it definitely can because obviously I'm not as big as him. And I'm not saying he's like, you know, overweight or anything like that, but he's a big guy. He's just a big dude who obviously is bigger than most catchers out there. Like if you compare compare him to Trevino, he's way bigger than Trevino and Higashioka. So, yeah, maybe that could play, in, you know, uh, could play into it. But I, I really think it's kind of a mental game with him and the constant changing of how to catch, you know, he had the, the regular Orthodox stance to start when he first was a Yankee. And then he switched to, you know, uh, to one knee down. We had, we hired the, the catching coach to, to, to change that with him. And then he had the leg out and then back to the one knee thing. So I think as you saw in the twin series, he was, he was constantly like rotating how to catch. And I think it was, I think he's just more uncomfortable than comfortable. And that's why I think even when, when the Yankees traded him to the twins, there were talks that the twins might not even keep him because he's such a liability behind the plate, but he's got, you know, an incredible bat. He leads, you know, he leads the uh, majors and for catchers and home runs with, with, with seven. So, you know, he, he's still an offensive bat, like a great offensive bat. And he's hitting 220, which was better than what he hit the last two or three years with us. So good for them. It's just that he has, he's such a defensive liability at catcher that I, I don't see him being a catcher in the next like two years. I think they'll move him to a full-time DH. 
I don't even see him necessarily being a twin after this year, to be honest. Well, with I you. mean, well, I mean, that was the rumor when he got traded to the twins that they were going to primarily use him at DH and eventually play him at catcher, you know, maybe spot start him at catcher because the growing belief in, in twins land was that their go-to guy for the catcher position was going to be Ryan Jeffers, but he's struggled. He's only batting 175. So that's limited how much, you know, Rocco Baldelli can play him, you know, frequently at the catcher position because he's been pretty much an automatic out. And that's made them play Sanchez more at catcher, even though I'm sure, you know, you put them on a lie detector test, they'll tell you that that's not what they wanted to do. It's uh, I definitely agree with you. I also think, you know, they still see something in Sanchez behind the plate because he probably, I, I will agree that he, he might have one of the best arms in, in baseball behind the plate. As, as we saw, even in the series where he gunned down Rizzo at second base like that um, from his RBI single, like not many catchers can make that type of throw. And he still has an incredible arm and can still gun down anyone that steals base. It doesn't matter if it's Buxton, LaCastro, the, you know, I'm naming the fastest players in, in baseball. You know, he could still get them out with ease. So I think that's what they look at too. And the fact where he's on the one knee, so it's easier to pop uh, up. The throw rate is, is he's still one of the fastest in baseball. It's just his, it's just his ability to keep the ball in front of him and not get by him. That's his biggest struggle. And as we saw in that last game, especially, you know, moving the runners around and it, it, it built momentum. So, you know, it's just that's his one that's his one struggle that with behind the plate that that'll probably move him to DH in the near future. We will see, brother. We will see what his long term future is and what his future as a twin is. Like you said, you know, let's let's see what happens with this whole Ryan Jeffers situation. And, you know, hey, as the father of one of his young fans that still claims that he's still his fan, even though he's not a Yankee. I wish him luck as long as it's not against the Yankees, you know, uh, <laughs> of course, when he's not playing the Yankees, I wish him the best. I hope he has a great career and, you know, wish him nothing but the best. All right. So now without any further ado, let's welcome on our special guest uh, to preview this upcoming Cubs series. I'd like to welcome on Mitch from Dingers, uh, Chicago Cubs podcast at Dinger Cubs. Mitch, how you doing? Good. How are you guys? I mean, we're doing good, man. We're doing good. Sitting here in first place. We uh we just had a really good game last night against the Twins. Wanting we won a slugfest against them. It was it was really good. Uh how are you guys doing uh, over there in uh, Cubs land? Well, we just had a rainout in Baltimore and so it was just a two-game series. We lost the first one. Um I mean Christopher Morrell has been up with the Cubs, a young guy that they called up from trip or from double a uh, he's been just an electric factory fun to watch. Uh, but man, we're, we're sitting towards the end. If it wasn't for the reds, we'd be in the cellar, but the reds are like the worst team in baseball. So they're kind of saving us there. Uh, but we just, we're, we've been in every game. It's, it's getting the, the clutch hit or getting the pitching to be able to support us, to be able to win. But um we're rebuilding. We're, we're building it back up. And the thing is our Meyer league, if you look at it, our Meyer leagues, uh, they're stacked and 
here in the next year when the prospect list comes out, the Cubs are going to be one, two, or three in all of baseball. They, I think the Cubs minor league has the best record overall in all of baseball. If you compile all the minor leagues. Um, so they're just a fun group down to watch a lot of the minor league teams, but that's all we have to look forward to. Not the major league level. You guys will get back there though, man. I mean, you guys will get back to your glory days of Rizzo, Baez, Brian. Um, you guys, you guys had some pretty dominant Cubs teams in, in the past, you know? So I, I have no doubt that you guys will get back there, especially if your minor league system is as good as you, you guys say, I mean, it's one well, of we those thank rare you trades. for the World Series because Aroldis Chapman, we wouldn't have won a World Series without Aroldis Chapman. Um, even though he struggled and gave up the tying run, uh, we wouldn't have got through there because our bullpen during the 2016 run was pretty depleted. There was only about three guys that Madden trusted and that I trusted um, to get the job done out of the bullpen. So uh, Chapman was huge in bringing us a, cha- a championship. You guys got what you wanted. You got your world series. You finally ended that long drought. We got a heck of a, you know, prospect that is our starting second baseman right now. And it's going to be a Yankee for the long-term future. We can only hope, right? Sean, at the end of the day, you know, with, with Hal Steinbrenner, you never know. We're here still wondering if he's even going to extend judge. So we'll see if he extends Glaber when that time comes, but, uh, we're very happy with Glaber Torres, so we thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, it was definitely a win-win situation. You know, they win the championship, and we get we get Glaber, and then eventually we get um, Chapman back. So I think it was a win-win for both sides. Hopefully, we can get to the promised land. So you know, it kind of evens out the trade because you know, if you look at trades and at the end goal, winning a championship, that's what they got, and and all the power to them. That was great. So. You know, we, we also gave them some some competition as well because we had also traded Andrew Miller to the Indians, yep. and we we made sure to make that a competition. So it was still yep. uh, it was still an interesting, a very fun World Series. Obviously, going to Game Seven, tenth inning, you know that was probably one of the most interesting World Series we had seen in a long, long time. Coming back down three one, I think it was so incredible. Yeah, which then after that, they wound up getting the piece from the Andrew Miller trade to play for them and Clint Frazier. It's it all goes full circle. Look at that, you know? <laughs> yep. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier being with the Cubs, uh, he's one, we can get into Clint Frazier because uh, regarding Clint, I have a couple of questions for you as somebody that obviously watches the Cubs a lot more than we do and and, you know, pays attention to them and is on top of things regarding them. Um, Number one, has he grown his beard? Like what's his beard looking like nowadays? Is it fully grown? Does he have a full red beard going for him? What? Uh, It's, it's, I mean, you can see it's kind of like a five five o'clock shadow. Okay. It's not fully grown out yet, but he does have like long curly hair growing out. So you can kind of see a little bit coming out the front. Uh, and he still wear, he wears his little nose ring. So. Well, we knew about the long curly hair because he had it when he was with Cleveland in their minor yeah. league system. That you know that was yep. one of the first things he had to cut when he got you know yep. traded over here. But you know it was, I was just curious because you know you always saw him clean shaven and he always looked like such a baby face like guy like he had such a baby face you would think he was twelve or something. So I'm like I wonder how he's gonna look when he grows out a beard because. That's 
inevitably what everybody does when they leave the Yankees or get traded away from the Yankees. That's the first thing they do. They're like, okay, I'm going to grow something now. You know, you, the biggest example we had was Jabba Chamberlain when eventually he was traded away from the Yankees and he went to the, to the Detroit Tigers. Yep. His beard, like you remember, right, Sean, like the beard he grew out when he went to Detroit, it was disgusting. I'm like, man, what happened to Jabba? You yeah, know, the so midges just... from the Indians game were living in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was just wondering if, if you know, if Clint went that route. Um, and then my other question to you is, uh, how's his uh, migraine slash like vision issues uh, improved? Like, has he gotten that taken care of? Has he got in contacts, you know, is he wearing some type of glasses when he's out there? Like what has he done to improve his vision issues out there in the outfield? Um, well, <laughs> he's struggled out in the outfield. He's had a couple errors out there, but I don't think he's done anything specifically with like contacts, nothing that I've heard. Uh, I don't think that the migraines are necessarily an issue anymore. I think during the off season kind of worked hard to kind of overcome those, but that, that was a kind of a story where he, didn't bring it up when he was with the Yankees and kind of tried to play through it because he felt like he needed to, or else he would lose a spot. And I mean, that's tough that if that is all true, that uh, he felt like he was going to lose his spot and he couldn't bring it up. It should be something where he could feel confident to be able to bring up an issue like that. And at the time when vertigo, you know, it's, it, it's been introduced by a couple of players, but vertigo is kind of like something new that really takes like a, like a long-term effect to, to heal from. Like I have vertigo myself, so I, I hundred percent get it. I don't even know how he hits a hundred mile an hour fastball of vertigo. You know, it's, I can see where he felt like he had to, you know, keep going because at the time, you know, he was finally starting to get like last year, especially he finally got the starting job over Brett who Brett Gardner, obviously, you know, Brett Gardner very well with the three run home run, not to bring that up, but, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, um, he finally got the starting job. So he, he finally got his chance to prove it. And then vertigo just kept creeping up on him. And then he had the, you know, the running into the wall and that really started to show with the concussions and then the vertigo kind of backpacking off that. And, you know, I, I did feel for him there. Cause like I said, I have vertigo myself, so it's, it's one of the hardest things to, you can't just get rid of it. You have to find the time for it to finally like heal itself and go away. Obviously yep. there's medications to take, but you know, when you hear someone with vertigo, like, and I, you know, you have to go and miss a month. You're like, how did, come on, man. Like you need to miss a month because of this. Like, you know, it, it, especially in Yankee land, it's like, Oh, just get rid of him. They're like, he, you know, he, you know, he's weak, he's this. And you know, I, I it's, it's a sad thing. So I, that's why when he, did go to the Cubs. I was glad to see he would get a fresh opportunity. And I'm glad that the vertigo was gone for him. Cause I, even though he didn't work out for us and he's, you know, he said a couple little things about the Yankees on Twitter. I still wish the best for him. I still wish for him to be a 300 hitter, 25 home run type guy. Like we thought he was going to be like, just to piggyback really quick off of what Sean said, he was a beloved, beloved player down here, especially with the ladies, like, you know, and the ladies of Yankees Twitter love Clint you know, he was somebody that was beloved by all Yankees fans, like everybody, everybody on Yankees Twitter, everybody in Yankees universe, everybody loved Clint. So we wish him nothing but the best, you know? Yep. Now to kind of flip it. So uh, July 29th, last year, 
you know, you're, you're probably one of your favorite players, if not your favorite. Anthony Rizzo gets traded, obviously, to the New York Yankees. Um, first off, I just want to ask you, how did you feel about that? Did you expect uh, it? How are you feeling now, you know, that he's you're, you're going to be going against him for the first time? Well, I, I did expect it. Like, I think the first domino was last year was Jock Peterson getting traded to Atlanta, which that was done pretty early in June. And so you kind of had a feeling that 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 was the first domino that was going to fall for the rest of them. And then I, I remember that night after the Cubs loss and they were going to fly out to San Francisco and you saw Rizzo like walking around the Ivy and you kind of had a feeling, okay, trade deadline is, is Saturday. It's Friday. Is he going to get traded today? Or are we going to wait till the, till the deadline day and do it? And I remember I was going out to eat and got the news and it's like, oh, well, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> like, uh, beloved Rizzo. And we'd kind of say that Rizzo was, was the captain of the team the last couple of years. He was kind of the face of the franchise, um, when it came to like media relations and, and that sort of stuff, like Bryant maybe was the, the front runner of maybe the best player during those years, but everybody loved Rizzo and his personality and what he brought to the team. So yeah, when, when that happened, my kids were devastated. They were, that was their favorite player. I was devastated. Um, I actually thought he was going to go to the Red Sox, not the Yankees. Um, that was kind of what everyone was leading. But then he goes to the Yankees. Uh, and man, he, he played great in the playoffs. He's done well this year, hitting a ton of bombs. Um, the thing is, was it the right decision for the Cubs at that time? Yes, I believe right now 100% that trading those guys was the right decision because what we got back in all those trades, you ask anybody in baseball, all those trades, Jed knocked it out of the park. The guy who we got from the from the Yankees, Kelvin Alcantara, the dude absolutely king it this year. He's batting 374, has an OPS of 833, has six home runs. 34 RBIs, 49 hits in just killing it down in the minor leagues. He's at low Myrtle beach. The dude is projected. I think he's our number seven rated prospect in the Cubs organization right now. I think with the Yankees, I think he came over and he was like the third or fourth rated prospect in your guys' organization when he did come over. So, I mean, at this point, he's going to be there in 2024 when the Cubs make their next run. And that's going to be a piece that we're going to kind of build around. So it was a good trade. I do miss Rizzo tonight is going to be super hard watching him play against the Cubs. That's just going to be weird. Like, uh, but at the same time, I'm glad it's not at Wrigley for the first time that it's at Yankee stadium. Cause if it's him coming in in a Yankee uniform into Wrigley field, I mean, we saw it last year with Bryant and doing the whole intro and Bryant crying. Uh, I guarantee you there would be tears shed by Rizzo. Like he just meant so much and he loved the city of Chicago. Like he embraced what Chicago was all about and to now see him with another team. But I think it's been a good, good thing for both teams. Kind of like the, the um, Chapman deal. I think in the end, both teams will come out being happy with the, with the deal. I think so too. I think so too. Um, Funny you mentioned about um, Kevin Alcantara, our co-host on this podcast, our other co-host, it's, it's three of us, it's me, it's Sean, and it's our other co-host, John Brophy, who covers 
the single A Tampa Tarpons for the Yankees, our single A affiliate, he actually had a conversation with Kevin Alcantara right as the trade happened. He he's told us this story where Kevin at first was like bummed because he not because he was going to you guys, but because he just wanted to be a Yankee. And, you know, I, I remember John telling us that he, when he was hearing this from Kevin, he told Kevin, listen, not for nothing, but I know you wanted to be a Yankee, but if I were you, I'd be super stoked about this deal because number one, you have so many outfielders ahead of you here in this mm -hmm. system that, you know, you're kind of blocked over there. You got a more clear path to playing. And he mentioned, and maybe you could give us some insight on this, maybe elaborate a little on it. He said, not for nothing, but he told Kevin Alcantara, not for nothing, but you're going to love playing in front of the Chicago fans. Like yep. they're going to love you out there and you're going to love playing in that atmosphere. And that kind of made Alcantara a little happier about the trade because he's like, wow, okay, well, looks like I'm going into a good environment. Could you kind of elaborate on that? I, I think me and Sean know a little bit about the reputation of you guys as fans. You seem to be very good, very knowledgeable fans. You seem to really like embrace your players a lot. Yeah, I think that's what, if you ask any player that's played for Chicago, that's what they say they love most. Like, Friday at 120 at Wrigley and that place is hopping. Like a lot of MLB teams can't say that that is the atmosphere they get on a day game. And, and that happens every Friday at 120. The Cubs pack that, the fans pack that stadium out and we support our players. Like you ask Ian Happ why he just announced yesterday on a radio show, like I want to be a lifelong Cub. Like they're coming out and saying that. Rizzo said the exact same thing and it just didn't work out. I think it's a lot of players have more issues with the front office than with the, the Cubs fandom. We, we embrace our players and we're going to love Kelvin, Kevin Alcantara. The dude's six, six, 188. If he gets a little bit of weight, the dude is super athletic and he's going to be playing alongside Owen Casey, who's with South Bend right now, who's tearing the cover off the ball. Pete Crow Armstrong is with South Bend right now for the Cubs. He's the guy who we got in the Javi Baez deal. Yes. Um, he's a stud, absolute stud. He, I think, has 10 home runs already this year. And that's to go along with um, Brennan Davis, who's our number one prospect, who was with the Iowa Cubs, just had some uh, back issue, had back surgery. It's a minor surgery. But the dude in the Futures game last year had two home runs in the Futures game. Uh, so it's, it's a great athletic outfield that's going to be our future Cubs outfield in three years i would say i think you guys have one of the most like dominant uh prospects for outfielders in baseball because those four right there are going to be studs yep. in about three to four years and uh especially alcantara because that one that was tough to let go even letting go of uh viscaino was tough so yep. yeah i think it's gonna be um I think, like just like you said, the Chapman trade, it's just going to work out for both teams. Hopefully, the Yankees can do something with Rizzo and win a championship because that's the ultimate goal is to get Rizzo and lead us to the promised land. So, you know, hopefully it ends up working out that way. He's fully acclimated himself into this team, into this fan base, and we couldn't be happier to have him. Fun little note, that first game he had with the Yankees, 
was against the Marlins. I was there for that game. And I saw his very first home run as a Yankee live, bro. That that was a nice. shot to right field. I was like, wow. I was like, okay, okay. I like this. You can turn I like on this him. trade already. <laughs> yep. I was like, I it's was just keeping him happy. fair. That is his problem. Like he, yes. he can turn on a ball. It's just keeping him fair, which yes. He'll he say, has to lead the league and just and like just going to the right of the bell pole every time. Like, and that's what it looked like. That first home run he hit in Marlins Park. I looked at it and seeing it live, I was like, man, I hope it stays fair because you just turned around like this, like looking like wow, because it just left his bat in such a hurry, and it was like almost hugging that foul line where you're like, uh oh, uh oh, is it gonna stay? And then when it did, I was like. I was stoked, man. No, I I love Rizzo and Pinstripes. I I I have his jersey. I got his jersey right after the deadline. I was like, I I gotta get me an Anthony Rizzo jersey. Yeah. So, I should yeah, have I worn a, it. I have a Cubs the Anthony Rizzo jersey. I mean, he's my kid's favorite player. We went to last year to Opening Day 2.0. It's the first day in Chicago where full attendance. They're playing the Cardinals. It was a Friday 120 game, and that was the 14 pitch at bat where he ended it in a home run. And that instantly like made Anthony Rizzo, my kid's favorite player. Like that memory will be with them forever of them remembering we were there and we watched something really special happen. And Rizzo was part of that. And so like with Cubs fandom, that's give me something like Rizzo's always going to have a piece of our heart. And I think Chicago will always have a piece of his heart. Like he's always going to be a Cub. And he just, man, he's just such a good guy to cheer for. Like yep. you see the way he's embraced, not just by the fans, like I said, but even by the clubhouse, like you see judge always around them, you know, Stanton, all the guys in the clubhouse seem to love the guy, you know, like he, you always see him be all smiles in that dugout with everybody. Like you, you, you get what I'm saying, Sean, like you never see any hint of like, you know, a lack of team chemistry between him and the other players. Like it, he seems to fit in great, you know? Yeah. Even though judge is like on official captain, I would say that Rizzo is probably like a team leader, you know, him yeah. and judge oh, yeah. together are oh, team yeah. leaders and they look up to the both of them. I think the two of them are like a perfect duo to that. That's helped lead this team to being 41 and 16. You know, and I think, I think with Rizzo, him being with like David Ross and being with Lester taught him how to lead and taught him how to like, just learn the game. I think you, the Yankees were playing the Tigers two weeks ago, and it was Rizzo who picked up that the young rookie pitcher for Detroit was tipping his pitches. He was looking to third base whenever it was going to be an off-speed pitcher. He took a longer time. Like that's something that Rizzo does, yeah. and that just only helps your team. Like he picks up on those things, and so like you guys have a great asset in Anthony Rizzo on your team. I. I... I even love that he even said that in the uh, in the eighth inning, he even like told Tucker Barnhart, as the catcher yep. of the Tigers, at first base. He was he like even told him like even with, like with that's so much respect to be like, listen, teach well, the he, kid, you know, yeah, teach the kid, yep. <laughs> and I, I love that. I love that. Like that that is such like a leadership role to be like, you know, yeah, we just you know clobbered off him tonight, but. Let's hope that that never happens again. You know, just show him that he's doing this and this. I love that stuff. That that that's that's a he's a great person. Um, and I'm I'm glad that he worked out for the Yankees because not obviously everyone talks about the age and he's 32 and whatever, but he's been nothing but fantastic since he's been with us. And he's gonna be 
hopefully, you know, he's with us for the next couple of years because he's been absolutely fantastic. Not just, not just hitting the ball. Obviously his average is a little lower than usual, but you know, hitting the ball, but his, his defense on first base is something I'll take anytime because we have struggled as Yankee fans to find a first baseman with any sort of defense from, you know, anyone from the Gittins to the Fords, to the Voights, to the, to the Jay Bruce's we we've struggled. So, you know, my favorite thing about him before I move on is the fact that being a lefty hitter, he still hits lefties so well. Like I never worry with him with a lefty pitcher because usually lefty on lefty, you're like, all right, we, you know, as a hitter, you, you don't have the upper hand and you're like, you know, you're just trying to find something, but him, I, I feel more confident when he's facing a lefty pitcher because of how he chokes up on the bat like that. It's just with him. Like I never, I never find any weakness with him. And uh, like I said, man, just glad to have him, obviously. But um, all right, so moving on to my next question, I wanted to ask you because, you know, he's a hot topic right now uh, on your team. Obviously, you guys are still in a, I'm going to say this quietly, a rebuild. So, um, but uh, obviously, Wilson Contreras is a big name out there in, uh, in, in baseball. And uh, I know here in New York, Mets fans, Yankee fans, they want him. They want him bad. Obviously, we have a catching situation where it hasn't really panned out. Trevino's been great. Higashioka has not. And like I said to you before, Yankee fans grow tired real quick. And they want someone like Wilson Contreras, who's been, you know, dominant. So I want to get your take on it uh, about, you know, Wilson Contreras. You know, uh, how good is he really? Because you see him on an everyday basis. And are you expecting him to get moved this year? Uh I will say that Wilson Contreras right now is the best catcher in baseball. And it's not just being a homer. His, his offensive stats, his defense behind the plate, he is right now the best overall catcher in baseball. You think he's better than Salvi? Right now, yeah. I, I think what he can provide, the way Wilson's been playing this year, and, and I think it's because of the DH. The last three years, the Cubs have rode, especially last year, the Cubs had 12 different catchers last year. It was Wilson Contreras and anybody that would put on a a uniform and the catcher's gear because we went through like (laughs) 13 backups last year and couldn't find anybody worth a damn to do anything well. And so him so much playing time the last few years you could tell by the end of the season, it just had a wear on him and he just wasn't performing at the plate where this year we got picked up Jan Gomes at the beginning of the season, them two would go back and forth. And when they weren't playing, the other one was DH and just go back and forth. And those two are one hit a lot of home runs, providing a lot of RBIs and a lot of offense from both of those guys. Um, since Jan Gomes kind of went on the IL. So that's kind of hurt the team a little bit. Um, but Wilson Contreras is just, I mean, he's going to get paid. The thing is, like this contract or what's coming, because he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. If I was Wilson Contreras, there's no way I would sign a deal right now. Why would you? Like right now, the Cubs are are bidding against themselves, and so it it you have no idea what the market is going to say. So at the end of the year, they could come to Wilson and say, "We we will match whatever some another team says." Because I think Wilson loves Chicago. He has said that he has a really good relationship with the front office. He's been a lifelong Cubs in, or a Cubs player since he was 16. He's been with this organization, and so 
if I was the Cubs, I would have, hopefully Jed has a really honest conversation with him and says, Hey, we're going to trade you. And, but we're going to come after you hard in the off season, do kind of what you guys did with Chapman of, of trade and then resign and only make your team better in the long run. Cause I mean, if the Cubs bid right now with him, they're bidding against themselves and, and Wilson can just, it can do the price can just go higher and higher where in the off season, they can bid against a team and that might get a better price for the, for the organization. Uh, but if I was Wilson, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign. And I think he's kind of said, I'm not going to sign until the off season or wait until and go into free agency and see what I can get. Um, but Wilson's great. I mean, I know the Mets want him. I know Yankees want him. Every team that is making a playoff push that needs a catcher should want Wilson Contreras. That's the same stance that Judge is taking with us, where he made it known, like, hey, if I don't sign before the season, I'm not signing. I'm not talking negotiations during the season. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's like, why would he? Because he can go out and see what he can get from another team. Exactly. So both both parties wouldn't know. You have you have now so many competing offers. So even if you wanted to stay with the team that you've been with, there are there are going to be 29 other teams that are going to offer you something that you didn't expect. You know, there's this competition now, not just one offer that yep. you have to hopefully say yes or no to. So well, when you look at like when, doing you, going, when you go to Rizzo, the Cubs offered him a contract and it was lower than what he got with the Yankees this year. I mean, it was fair market at that time when the Cubs offered him the deal, but Rizzo decided to roll the dice and bet on himself. He didn't get as much as he wanted. He thought he was going to get a lot more. I think all the players that the Cubs traded, Bryant, Rizzo, Bias, all thought they were going to get a lot more. But the Cubs didn't want to bid against themselves at that point, and it turned out where the Cubs kind of won all those things by by trading them rather than re-signing them. Yeah, I, I could say. I think all three of uh, three of them, I would say the Bias one, never saw him going to Detroit. I'm glad he got the Detroit deal. Never ever saw Chris Bryant going to Colorado. That was something I never expected. Well, look at this. If you take all three of them and you combine their war, it's not even above one this year. Christopher Morrell, he's played in, I think it's 23 games, which he's reached base in all 23 games for the Cubs. Every game he's played, he's reached base. He has a war right now of 1.6. So him by himself has a higher war than those three combined. I would say probably. Rizzo probably has the highest war of the three. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Brian just... still doesn't even have a home run this year. Oh yeah. He's, he has been, he's been hurt for, for a majority yeah. of the year. So he's, you know, I've, I, they, they bet highly uh, on him. Obviously Chris Bryant did not get the contract that he was, I guess, or hoping for from other teams. So, and then I guess the Rockies were the only team that offered him something like that. So that was, I never, ever, ever, ever saw the Rockies even considering to doing something like that. And yet they did it and they gave Bryant the money that he wanted. So why wouldn't you say no? Before we move on to the next subject, uh, gun to your head. Do you think Contreras gets traded? Like what's your prediction on this, on this situation? Uh, I will say, I think he's going to get traded. Kind of uh, backpacking off that. Cause we talked about this off here. Do you see, other Cubs players that, that could be on the move, like uh, like an Ian Happ or even a Kyle Hendricks, who you've had for a very, you know, a, a long time. You know, uh, obviously he's struggling this year, but he could be on the move as well. 
Do you see anybody else that obviously you're still in the rebuild stage, but do you see people, uh, do you see players from the Cubs getting eventually moved, maybe coming back or just getting moved in general? I think any veteran player on the Cubs could get moved except for Hayward because nobody wants him. Uh, but I, I, I could see Wade Miley, who the Cubs signed has been, has pitched well. He, I think he's going to pitch today. Uh, he's pitched well, but he's kind of been on the injured list two different times. He started the season on the injured list, but he's pitched well when he's got the starts. I could see Stroman. He's only signed to a three-year deal. I don't see Stroman sticking around for all three years. And I don't think the Stro show has not been a great show to watch this year. He's struggled. And I, I don't know if it's, he did have a bout with COVID for a little bit. I know the short spring training he's complained about. I've never been a huge fan of, of Stroman. Uh, I wish that he would do a little less talking a little more um, letting his game play. I think last year he pitched really, really well, um, which he earned a contract. He pitched well last year. Uh, but I, I think the things that come with it, I don't know from hearing New York media talk about him. I don't know how he, how great he is in the clubhouse. When you ask around Chicago, the people that they talk about who are great in the clubhouse are Wilson Contreras. You talk about Christopher Morrell. They're talking about Frank Schwindel. They're talking about those guys as being the great players in the clubhouse. So he might be gone. Um, David Robertson, you guys know very well. He's a bullpen arm that everybody wants. He can be traded. <laughs> That's um, what we called him when he was here, Houdini. Yeah, he's he's great. Like he's been awesome with the Cubs. I've I've loved this the signing and the pickup, but he's one that you kind of knew even when they signed him, like, okay, they're you know, try to wheel and deal him eventually later. I wanted to piggyback off of uh, one name you mentioned, uh Marcus Stroman. He is somebody that apparently is, I don't know. I don't know, Sean. He seems to have an issue with New York, apparently. He doesn't like us very much, you know, at least at least the, the Bronx side of New York because he seemed to fully embrace Queens when he was a Met. But um, I don't know what's his deal. I, it'd be really interesting. I'll be honest with you. It'd be really interesting to see if he was traded as far as who would even want him because of, the extra drama he brings and his outspoken nature and the way he seems to be a distraction. What do you think about Marcus Stroman, Mitch? Um, well, yeah, doing all this, I think he's had one good outing. Besides that, he just got shelled on last Friday with the Cardinals. He just isn't locating his sinker. Isn't really players aren't beating into the ground like they normally do. Uh, I could see him getting traded and I, I could see a playoff contending team that wants, especially in the, the seven game series needs like a fourth guy to kind of sure up their rotation. I could see them going after a Marcus Stroman and, and if they can't, if they need to give up a 19 year old, they would do it. Uh, but as far as it is only a three-year deal with the Cubs. So I don't think, the Cubs even see him as being a long-term Chicago Cubs player. Yeah. With, um, with Stroman, it's funny because he's probably blocked around 80% of Yankees Twitter. So he, he doesn't like us very much. And obviously he can deny it all he wants, but we all know like his, he grew up and his family grew up Yankee fans. And then 
I know that there was the the Cashman quote, which I can't remember exactly, but paraphrasing like like Cashman kind of just said that he, you know, we didn't need him. And yep. like, you know, we, we we weren't looking at Stroman at the trade deadline two, three years ago. And I think he took like serious offense to that. And ever since that, he's been on this tirade of coming after the Yankees and the Yankee fans. And, you know, I, then he ends up getting traded to the Mets because the Yankees and the Mets were like going for him at the same time. But the Yankees kind of like pulled away to focus on other things. He ends up going to the Mets. And then ever since that, like from his opening press conference in the Mets saying, I never wanted to be a Yankee. Like it was like, no one mentioned the Yankees, bro. Like <laughs> it's okay you to be a Yankee. Bro, you could be a Yankee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's it, ever since that though, he just has a problem with us. So I know Yankee fans have been waiting for this opportunity and we hope that he does, you know, start on Sunday or hopefully he, he does appear in a Yankees game uh, in the, in the, this series against the Yankees, because the uh, Yankee fans are foaming at the mouth, just waiting for him to, make one little mistake, one little home run, you know, give up four or five earned in three innings. Like they're just waiting for this opportunity. So then he could spend the rest of the afternoon blocking all of Yankees Twitter and, and the last 20%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he have you blocked Sean? Yeah, he did for a little while, but now he unblocked me. I've, I've never had a word with him ever. So <laughs> he doesn't have me blocked. I guess I'm, I'm not doing something. I must be doing something wrong. I'm not blocked by him yet. Yeah. He, he retweeted one of our tweets and it blew up and it got really big, but he doesn't follow us. Uh, yeah. He was supposed to start on Wednesday or Thursday when, when the Cubs got rained out with Baltimore, he was supposed to start that day. And so I expect him unless they totally skip his, his spot in the rotation, but I expect him to pitch one of the games against the Yankees. Yeah. Like I was telling you off here, I thought he was going to pitch tonight. But obviously, Wade Miley's coming back, so he'll get the nod. And then, um, obviously, you guys already have Saturday's spot covered, so maybe they're just moving him back a couple of days to give him, you know, get him ready. Because, you know, when you set up and then you end up getting rained out, it's, it's hard to just come back tomorrow to start because you just did your prep. So maybe they'll have him go Sunday, which I know Yankee fans are begging. They're begging him to, to make an appearance because – they just, you know, it'll be a sold out crowd just to watch him fail. You know, it's like, obviously it's not the same as like a Pedro Martinez or, you know, like anything that Yankee fans seriously don't like, but you know, they, they want to see a guy who they don't like at all come to Yankee stadium and they could just heckle the whole night. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I'll tell you, Mitch, this fan base, man, we're just the type of fan base that if you open your mouth, we don't forget. You know what I'm saying? Pedro, to this day, we still chant, who's your daddy, whenever we see him, just based on that one time that he said, the Yankees are my daddy. So yeah. imagine somebody like Stroman that's run his mouth so frequently. You think Yankee fans are going to forget? No, bro. They're going to hold it against him for his entire career. And anytime he comes to Yankee Stadium, it's going to be must watch. Like Sean said, everybody's going to be there just waiting to see if he puts up or shuts or or if he puts up or he doesn't and if he doesn't put up you know we're gonna be we're gonna be raining on him like sean said we're gonna be heckling the hell out of him we're gonna be making him uncomfortable because that's what he gets for running his mouth we are like obviously just like cubs fans super passionate and you know we care about every single pitch ever thrown in a game so you know we care and uh, we we 
we attack our own players. Uh, you guys probably don't do that. You guys are nice. Yeah, we, we, we attack our own guys. If we, if, you know, a Joey Gallo strikes out three times in one game we're we're asking to send him to the moon. So you know, we, we are very, uh, very passionate. Cubs, Cubs Twitter is only turned on Jason Hayward. Everybody else we're okay with. <laughs> you guys have found one guy. <laughs> we're done with Jason Hayward. Yeah. That, that makes sense. You know, moving on from that, but who are you looking at for this series as like an X factor, you know, hitting and in pitching or in general, who do you, uh, who do you have as someone you're looking out for? Who the Yankees fans or Yankees as, as a general should be looking out for. Well, one thing that Jed does really, really well as a front office is build a bullpen. Like he's done it the last five, six years. He can put together and get people off the scrap heap and sign them to one, two year deals and then turn around, flip them. Uh, he can put together a bullpen and this year he's put together a pretty good bullpen. If we get the lead late, we're usually set. It's if our starting pitcher can go, like, I think there the first like month and a half, we didn't have any quality starts. And so now we have some quality starts. Schwarmer who's pitched in three games has two of them quality starts out of like, I think the eight that we have total. So it's if our starting pitcher can go five, six and, and keep us in the game, the Cubs have been, uh, uh, offense where they've scored first a majority of the season. It's if they can tack on runs later, which that's what they've struggled doing. Um, this team, the Cubs team, they'll put the bat on the ball. They'll put the ball in play. It's if they can do the right thing um, when guys are on base to get the key hit. They they don't have the star that will come up and do that right now. So that will be kind of what I'm looking to is, is can we get that key hit and can our starting pitching um, keep us in the ball game long enough for our bullpen to lock it down and, and get a win. Yeah, that's it's funny you say that because I think the Yankees X factor always is to get to the starting pitching early and, and and get them out of the game by the third, fourth inning. And I think we've done a really good job at, at that this season, well, obviously. And that's been the problem with Stroman and that's been the problem with Hendricks is they've been getting knocked around early. It's been our young guys that have kind of come up in, in, eating up innings and pitch really, really well and kind of kept us in game. So it'll be more our veteran guys. Can they, can they pitch it deep into the game and keep it to a one, two run game? I think uh, like, you know, obviously it's not a, a talked about plan. So you kind of just have to assume as a Yankee fan, but you know, the Yankees have been, have been prone this season to for the first game is to get the starter right out of the game and, and have their bullpen get, you know, have everyone in their bullpen come out in game one. So then you kind of see everyone, you kind of see everyone for the first game and you kind of get used to them, but also you get people who, you know, you go into game two and three and people are kind of laboring and are tired from pitching the night before or two nights before. And then you're starting to use that. That's what we did in the twin series just now, but we obviously we won. Uh, I don't remember 10, four, 10, five in the first game. And in the second game, we, we struggled. We couldn't find, couldn't get anything going, but then the third game, you know, we, we got to Dylan Bundy and then we, we, as soon as we got to the bullpen again, they were already laboring and tired. So then we, yeah. we just built our comeback and eventually won that game. So, you know, that's kind of what our X factor is, is just to kind of get that pitch count up on the, on that first starter, that first guy who comes out there so we can get right to the bullpen quickly and then just see who your bullpen is. Obviously we know who David Robertson is. We know David Robertson's got the, um, I, I forgot. I don't even know how to, how to describe it, but his, his leg, how he releases it. He's got the closest like release point to home plate in baseball yep. because of how far he stretches. 
But, you know, we obviously know him very, very well. But there are other, you know, young guys in here. We know Michael Givens from playing from with the uh, with the Orioles and stuff like that. But that's someone that we're definitely are our X factors to just get to that bullpen as quickly as possible, get used to him and then just keep feeding off the bullpen and, you know, tacking on runs here and there. The best bullpen piece the Cubs have had all season has been Scotty Afros which yeah. he was a starting pitcher for in the minors struggling um, in 2019 was asked, would you change your delivery and become a submarine side armor? If not, we're going to cut you. And he decided to make the change. And the dude is absolute filth out of the bullpen. And he's pitched the most innings of any pitcher in baseball. Uh, players have a hard time picking it up. It's just, it's nasty, nasty slider. Um, that sweeps across. He can run his fastball and get a lot of movement on it. Uh, he just gets his spin rate is super high. And so he's been one that that's just been really nice piece to have out of the bullpen. He just comes in in a situation. He's just eating up innings. I actually wanted me to ask. I wanted to ask you this before um, all fair, but I'll just, I guess I'll do it now. Keegan Thompson. Do you guys look at him as a starter? Obviously we know the SNL name, but um do you look at him as a starter or more as like a reliever? Um, I think this year, like he said, he feels like last year he wanted to be a starter and the Cubs put him in, like sent him down the minors for a little bit, stretched him out, came back as a starter and struggled. Uh, this year he started out in the bullpen, really accepted that role and pitch really, really well. Now, as of late, we've needed him to come and pitch and to start some games and has done well, except for his last start against the, against Baltimore really struggled in that outing, uh, which was kind of a rainy game, which could have been a factor. It was just a sloppy game. So I'm going to kind of just throw that one out. But if you throw that game out, he has been a dominant pitcher, wherever role he sat in. I think the Cubs like him more in, in the bullpen. I wanted to, uh, quickly change the subject but not really um going back to the x factor conversation um offensively i'm guessing that you're going to be telling us that the main player that we should look out for in this series from you guys is obviously wilson Contreras and uh ian hap right yeah when it comes to our offense when they go we go even with christopher morales of late when those three go we go our bopper will be wisdom he'll be the one that might get a home run um, he leads the team in home runs, but really when Wilson, when morale and when Hap are are hitting the ball around, we're scoring a lot of runs and they're kind of together in, in driving in the RBIs and, and kind of setting the plate. We've kind of had where morale will bat lead off and then Contreras will bat two. And when those two get on, we at least get a run. And then we hopefully have Hap driving the next one in. So those are the three that when they go, we go. Uh, I have two two quick little topics to just ask you. Um, one big name that you guys signed this offseason, which we won't see in this series, Seiya Suzuki. Uh, I just wanted to ask you because we we don't we're not going to get the chance to see him, and I know the Yankees were looking at him for a, a tiny bit of time. Uh, how has he been? What what are your impressions of him? I mean, he's outdone expectations as far as I'm concerned. Like he. He has great plate discipline, uh, drives the ball to all parts of the field, plays a really good outfield. Um, but I think he's still kind of learning the league, and you can kind of see he started out hot. The league kind of figured him out. 
you could see him making adjustments and then he started hitting again. But with Suzuki, he just, he does the things that you want him to do out in right field, especially him being a rookie and being new to MLB. The best thing that he's done is he's made adjustments as MLB starts figuring him out. Um, he struggled a lot with picking up the changeup. And everybody thought that velocity was going to be the thing that was going to be his downfall, which he's been hitting the fastball. It's been him being able to pick up the changeup, which he says in, in Japan, they don't throw a lot of changeups. It's more just spin. And so he's done pretty well being able to sit and pick up the spin. It's more of the changeup. So anytime a pitcher that can throw an elite changeup, that's where he's really struggled. Um, but I, I see him being a big factor in the Cubs future. And I've, I've loved what he's been as a person. Um, everybody says that they love him in the clubhouse. So I love um, say Suzuki. He's been awesome. We've honestly just been wanting to see him for so long. So it's really, it's really cool to see him, you know, excel with the Cubs and obviously we won't get to see him, but we'll hopefully see him in the future. Uh, my last uh, topic, because I, I haven't asked this yet, because this is new this year. Um, but the, the universal DH how, how are you, how are you liking it now as, um, as obviously had the pitcher at the nine hole for, for your entire life as a fan, you know, now you see him and now you have the universal DH and how, how have you liked that so far? I was against universal DH up until the 2020 season where then we got a little taste of it. And then you're like, Oh, there isn't an out automatic out every three innings. This is kind of nice. Like, all oh, this offense thing is, is, is nice. Like, so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for it now. I'm like, yes, universal DH. I love it. Uh, especially now that it's providing the Cubs, especially when they had Gomes and Contreras. And if you have uh, two really good catchers and that they can kind of flip flop back and forth and be able to hit and catch, like it's really, it's great. Um, and it's taken some pressure off of Contreras. Like I said, uh, being behind the play every day where when he's not, he can jump in there. So for the Cubs, it's, it's worked really, really well. So I've, I've liked the universal DH. Um, it's I'm, it, I'm sick of seeing pitchers getting punched out and bunting. So more offense, the better. We like that, that the universal DH is happening because it gives players opportunities to have 15 other teams like Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz probably lives off this universal DH. He's got 15 more opportunities now. But, you know, we hated seeing it. You know, we see Luis Severino, you know, sit there at the box and just stare at Drake. He gets three at-bats a year. So what else do you expect? Oh, not everybody's everybody's not the not daddy daddy yeah, or, or Jacob DeGrom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, on that note, boys, I think we're going to call it an episode. Um, Mitch, thank you for hopping on with us, brother. We truly yes, appreciate it. Good luck this weekend and good luck to you this season. Um, hopefully the rebuild is a quick rebuild and not a slow one for you guys. And we can see the Cubs be a prominent fixture in the national league pretty soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been, it was great chatting with you guys. Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you, um, or find your work? Yeah. Uh, at Dinger Cubs on Twitter. Um, you can find our podcast, uh, Dingers of Chicago Cubs podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we do have a YouTube channel. It's Shy City Sports. That's our podcasting network that we're part of. So hit up Shy City Sports YouTube, and we live stream on there our podcast as well. There you go. And for your Cubs fans uh, and your loyal listeners, if you want to get some 
Yankees coverage the next time we play the Cubs. Um, feel free to follow us or listen to us at Hot Esquina Pod, both on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook also. And you can find the Hot Esquina Podcast anywhere you find your podcasts. Um, so listen, keep in touch with us, man. And whenever we do play you guys again, we'll be more than happy to have you on, Mitch. Yeah, Thank you. And thanks. Thanks. We appreciate it. So for Mitch, Sean, I'm Enrique. You guys have a great one. And we'll talk to you again on this week. Take care, guys. Go Yanks.